Well, good morning, everyone. Praise the Lord. Here we go again, huh? Well, we finished the marriage series last week. You guys enjoyed that one, I hope, yeah? It'd probably be, probably, thank you for the eight claps there and so forth. Um, probably be good to do a marriage series every year, don't you think? Probably help us out a lot. Um, and, uh, but today we're going to start a new series. But just by way of information, before I get going, um, as of last Let's see, last week, yeah, last weekend, that first weekend for the Av Church plant, we're at 61,000. After last Sunday, now we're at 71,000. So, praise the Lord, yeah. Our, our, our goal is $75,000 for that church plant. It's going to reach younger generation millennials. Um, and so, if we, this is our last time we're going to announce it to you. If you have not uh, asked God what to give on that, do you please partake in that if you feel so inclined? Um, we do that three Sundays in a row because it's a proven fact that one-third of your congregation misses church every Sunday. And so that's why you do series that are at least three weeks long. So everyone in the congregation gets at least one message in that series. We are no longer uh, a church in America that goes to church regularly. That's just those days are somewhat over now. Uh, many people consider regular church attendance once a month, twice a month, once every three months but they consider your church church. And if you're watching online and uh, you have not participated in that, we just invite you to participate. You know you can do it online also. We would appreciate everything because we just want to reach more people and we want to keep raising up young pastors to plant more churches. Amen to that one right there. This is one of the goals. Uh, today we're going to begin a series. It's just a foundational message. I shouldn't say just. It is a foundational message today uh, that uh, will be followed by three specific messages in specific areas of our life. Today I'm going to talk about overloaded uh, that's the series title, and um, I, I never watched the whole show straight through. I saw a couple, I don't think it's on TV anymore, I'm not sure, uh, but I just, personally, I couldn't take it. It was, uh, I'd watch five minutes, and I, I had to turn it, it was just too much for me. And you guys ever watch the TV show Hoarders? Okay, so you, for, just for me personally, it was just difficult. I, and, I, and I get it that, you know, somewhere in their brain they feel like they, they cannot let go of anything. And I'm not here to put them down or condemn anybody or anybody here that has that problem. We all have certain problems in our life. Any amens on that? It's just that that one was uh, put on TV. But I, I just couldn't, I couldn't, I, I couldn't watch it. It was too much because their, their home was so overloaded. But, but you, if you think about it... it, it Aren't all of our lives overloaded somewhere? Yes. Don't we kind of overdo ourselves in many areas of life uh, to the point that we just get over it now where this is just too much? And, and today, and where we leave ourselves no margin whatsoever. And, and today we're going to talk, and this series is going to talk about mar margin, creating margin. And let me define what I mean by margin for you in life. It's a continuous area that is free, unoccupied, and available. A continuous area that is free, unoccupied, and available. It's meaning that there should be spots in your life uh, consistently that have space that is free, available, and unoccupied, where you can just have life in that area, and it's not always go, 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 fill up the schedule, everything else. So we want to, in this series, bring us back to a place. I hesitate to use the word balance because... I don't know that I believe that word anymore. I don't know that balance is even possible. 
I just think we just have to kind of be, if we're a Christian, a follower of Christ, be biblical and just do certain things that it says and, and we'll find life there. But it, we're just an overstressed, overdone, overextended, overburdened, over this, overwhelmed, overloaded society. Are we not? And so we get to this place that we're just over with that kind of lifestyle. And this series in particular, if you stick with us the whole way through, it's very close to my heart. Because I, I've lived these things as you have lived these things. And, and it's no fun to come to places where you're just so overloaded. It's just wearing you out. It's what's interesting to me is we live in the day. Our day and age, bigger paychecks, longer vacations. And we have all the modern conveniences and everything else that should make our life easier. But we seem to be more stressed. Any amens there? I mean, I can remember back, and uh, come on, and I'm going to date myself. I know some of you think you're tw- I'm 25, but I get it, okay? <laughs> but I grew up in the 60s, and, um, and I hope you can't do math because you'll figure out how old I am. But, uh, but I grew up, and uh, I remember, you know, we take these things for granted, but I remember when my parents got their first dryer, as in washer-dryer. They didn't have to go and use all that time. Remember hanging on the clothesline in the backyard? Remember that? And you'd have those black stains where the clothespin was on your white t-shirt? Your J.C. Penny white t-shirt? Remember that? Because those are the cool t-shirts, right? With the pocket, though. You got to get the pocket. And remember, so, and then we get all these conveniences. I mean, you have dishwashers, you have washer dryer, you have all this. But have you noticed? It, it has not given us any more contentment and peace. Our, our ancestors had way more contentment and peace. Have you ever figured that one out yet? I mean, they even stated uh, in articles that back in the 60s, 70s, they believed with all the modern things that were going to happen and technology and everything, that we would cut our, week, our work weeks almost in half. We haven't seen that happen. If anything, we've added another half to our work week, haven't we? And so we, we find ourselves so overextended. And so I want us to find margin. It's going to make some hard decisions in our life, guys. I'm to be honest. Because hearing a message is one thing, but doing a message is another. James said, Jesus' half-brother said, that, you know, the person who hears the message but does nothing about it, it's like a person who looks in the mirror, sees himself, walks away, and forget everything they saw. You don't want to walk away and forget everything we teach here because we're trying to do biblical things. And if we put these into practice, you find life from the Jesus who is the way, truth, and life. Now, so we're going to find margin, continuous area that's free, available, and unoccupied. Our key verse for the series is this. This is the only verse that I'm going to have you read every week. This is our verse for this series. I'm going to count to three, and then you guys please read it out loud. You, I would appreciate it greatly. Here we go. One, two, three. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest for a while. For there were many people coming and going, and they didn't even have time to eat. Huh, you ever feel that way? You ever feel like life is just so busy, 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 and you can't find, uh, t- t- you can't find time to rest, can't, can't do anything? Now, let, let, me, let me just tell you, uh, um, let me just throw it out to you this way. Have you ever, uh, and uh, as a parent, say you're a parent and your kids were in sports, have you ever like, say it's July, it's 108 degrees, and you know there's no rain coming, but you know, have you ever thought it would be great if it rained today and they would, it would cancel my kids' soccer practice? <laughs> Anybody ever felt like that before? It's right, true, right? How many have ever felt like it would be great if dinner could make itself tonight? Oh, I found, heard pain over there. Ah! Oh! Preach it, brother. <laughs> but some of you, you wake up and you're hoping it won't be the 125 emails. Anybody on that one right there? It's like, really? All these emails right there. Now, how many of you ever felt like, I hope the baby falls asleep and stays asleep tonight? 
Yeah, you felt that before. Now, let me tell you one that, I, that used to happen to me, and it hasn't happened in a long time. Thank the good Lord I wised up at least on this one. Um, have you ever, th- and I, this has probably happened five, maybe six times that I can recollect in my life. Have you ever thought this? You look at your calendar and you think, in 12 days, I'll have a day off. Anyone ever had that one? I can remember the longest one was 18 days. And it's terrible when you think to yourself, say 12 days. Let's see, I'm not going to enjoy 12 days, but that 13th day, I can't wait till I get there. Because then I'm going to be able to relax for a day. A day. And then I got to get right back to it again. Now, let me tell you something. For those of you in this room that are like me, you are type A personalities, which means you go, 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 go. You are driven, 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 driven. You want to produce, 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 produce. And if people aren't going as fast as you, they're just lazy and they need to get out of your way. You know who you are, right? How many of you know who you are? Raise your hand. I want to know how many type A's in the room. Come on, be honest. You be proud of yourself, man. We're going to have a support group right outside afterwards. Now, let me tell you, as a type A personality, I've driven myself to the ground multiple times. And life has a way, the pain of life, the sufferings of life, the disappointments of life have a way of grinding you down to where I don't consider, I don't think I'm type A, I think I'm type A minus now, maybe type B plus. Because it's just like you don't feel this urgency anymore as much as you used to. Now, is the drive still there? Yeah, it's still there. But you kind of realize you have to kind of, you got to tone down just a little bit. As a type A, it's really hard to tone down too much. So we're going we're gonna to figure this thing out in the series. Now, here's our, here's our tagline. This one's easy. There's no pauses. <laughs> Boy, that marriage one was, you guys really disappointed me on that one. I'm going to count to three. Read it with me. One, two, three. Putting the bee back into being. Say it again. Putting the bee back into being. What do I mean by that? I read this in a book decades ago when I was going through burnout. And it said, we come to the point, many of us, when we're no longer human beings, we're human doings. We're just doing, doing, doing. And we're no longer living as human beings. We're living as human doings. And I remember reading that and I thought, that's exactly how I feel. Now, I'm going to give you a movie. I'm going to date myself now. And I gave you 31 years now to see it. And you didn't see it. So, okay. Or if you saw How many remember a movie 31 years ago with Steve Martin called Parenthood? Okay, you guys really seem to see that, okay. There was a time, and I remember I was sitting there with my wife, uh, 1989, thereabouts. I'm going to date myself. Van Buren, I mean, Magnolia Drive-In. Anyone remember that, Magnolia Drive-In? It was on Magnolia Avenue. If you want to know where it was, there's an ice rink there now. That's where, about where the Magnolia Drive-In was. Um, so we're sitting there. I remember which of the three screens it was at because by then they already added the other two screens. And uh, I'm sorry, that was a one-screener. I'm sorry, one screen. And, uh, and so we're sitting to the right, 12, 13 rows back. I'll never forget it. And there's a moment in the movie where uh, uh, Steve Martin, his, uh, the office calls because they're in a crisis at home. Something's going on. And they call and he answers the phone and then he turns to his wife and says, I have to go. I have to go to work. And his wife looks at him and says, you don't have to go. And then he turns back and he says this, my life is, I have to. I will never forget to this, I'll never forget. I turned to Olivia and I said, that's exactly how I feel. 
I feel like my life is I have to. I always have to. I have to do this. I have to do that. I'm no longer I want to. I have to. And I'll never forget how it just pierced my soul because I was going through it and I was feeling it all. And it was just really, really difficult for me in my life at that time. So I don't want your life to be an I have to. I want you to be an I want to. So we're going to try to be, put the B back into being again, be a human being, not a human being. So if you have a Bible or an app or none of those things, it'll be up on the screen. Uh, Exodus chapter 18. If you're new to church, you'll see just the practicality of the scriptures as we read about a guy named Moses. This happened about 3,400 years ago. He is a real historical figure. He, these things are written about him in life. And so Exodus chapter 18, verse 13, I'm going to read about 11 verses, and you're going to see that you can relate to Moses as Moses relates to you. He's leading over 2 million people through a desert. There is no structure of authority. There is no government. There's nothing. They have left Egypt, and now the pressures are mounting. Watch this. Verse 13. It came about the next day that Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood about Moses from morning until evening. Is that a long day? That's every day for this guy. And they're lined up because they want to talk to him. They need something from him. You'll see what they need. Now when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing, I like the word that Moses' father-in-law saw because Moses can't see it. And how many know we have blind spots and we can't see it? Somebody else sees it in us and they try to tell us, but no, 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 I got it together until we crash. And Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people. It's a good thing he's do what he's doing, but somebody's going to say, you know, you're doing it all wrong here. He said, what is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why, here's the question his father-in-law asked him, why do you alone sit as judge and all the people stand about you from morning until evening? In other words, here's what's going on. People are coming to him and this person has a beef with this person. And they're lined up. Can you imagine the line? They want to talk to Moses. We need you to make a decision. Hear the case. He's like the original Judge Judy is what he is. And and it's all day and all night long. And this guy's not getting any rest. Verse 15. Moses said to his father-in-law. Well, here's why. He says, because the people come to me to inquire of God. So he justifies his overloaded life. They need me. Um, how many of you, the mentality is, I'm the only one that can do it right? Come on, raise your hand. Be honest, type A's. Come on. You know how you feel, huh? Everybody else is inferior and inadequate, right? Right? That's how you think if you were to speak it out loud. Uh, the people come to me. Verse 16. When they have a dispute, it comes to me. I judge between a man and his neighbor and make known the statutes of God and his laws. Now Stop. There are no laws written down yet. There are no Ten Commandments, nothing. He knows the law. He knows these things, so he's dispensing of it to the people because he's the only one that's willing to talk to God. Verse 17. Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you are doing is, say it, not good. good. It's not good. He's talking about how he's doing it. This is not good, Moses. You will, verse 18, surely wear out. You will not last. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how much you can accomplish. I don't care what you've done at this point. You're not going to make it if you keep this up. You will wear out. But he adds, both yourself and these people who are with you. 
for the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it. In other words, no one can keep pace, Moses. I would have loved to have just seen Moses' face when he was told this, that you can't do it because some people think, oh, I can do it, I can do it all. Verse 19, he says, here's his father-in-law. Now listen to me. I shall give you counsel and God be with you. You, you be the people's representative before God and you bring disputes to God. Then, here's how you're going to solve it, Moses. Then teach them the statutes and the laws and make known to them the way in which they should walk and the work that they are to do. In other words, you're going to teach the people now how, how they live, how it's applied, everything else. You're going to teach them the, the statutes of God. Furthermore, you shall select out of all the people able men, able who fear God. They have a reverence for God. Men of truth. In other words, they're going to walk in the truth of God's word. They're not going to be compromisers. Who Those who hate dishonest gain. They want, they want justice. And, and, and you shall place these over them as leaders of thousands and of hundreds of fifties and of tens. So in other words, you're teaching everybody God's law, statutes, the way they should live. And then you're going to have all these people, your leaders, that are going to settle the disputes. Now watch how they're going to settle it. Let them judge the people at all times. And let, let it be that every major dispute they will bring to you. In other words, there's some things at your job and at your home only you can answer. Am I right? Only you have the experience. Only you have the authority to do It's a major, major issue. He says, but every minor dispute they themselves will judge. So it will be easier for you and they will bear the burden with you. In other words, listen, you cannot put out every fire, guys. You cannot charge every mountain. You can't do it. You will kill yourself. You will maybe go so many years, maybe a decade, but it's going to start to catch up in your physical body, in your relationships, in your spiritual life. It's going to take a toll. Verse 23. If you do this thing and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure. You won't wear out. What a great thing. And all these people also will go to their place in peace and everybody will be happy. Verse 24. And by the way, won't some of your family members be happy if you slowed it down a bit? Verse 24. So Moses, here's the biggest word in this series, listened to his father-in-law and did all that he had said. It's not easy to listen. It's not easy to take advice, especially when you think you can do everything. Take it from a guy who thinks like that. But he did it. And things began to work out better for most. So I'm going to give you three things today that are, that are just foundational. Then, like I said, in the three weeks following, we're going to hit specifics in life that are very important. It's a great time to invite somebody, my friends. Number one, everyone has limits. Everyone has them. Now, <clears throat> we don't like that, but it's fact. Bridges have weight loads. Do you remember when they piled all the people on the Golden Gate Bridge and they were afraid it was going to bow and break? Anybody remember that? Yeah, it has a weight limit. Trucks have weight limits. Rooms have capacity limits. People have limits in every way, shape, and form possible. Now, if you remember, and I think it was at that moment in time, 
at the Chinese Olympic Games in China, the Olympic Games in China, I should say, when Usain Bolt broke the world record, anyone remember that night in the 100 meters? He ran a, a world record, and I remember he's running, he's so far ahead of the pack, and he slows down the last 10 meters, he's cruising, looking around. It's almost like he could get a soda and still finish ahead of everybody. He ran 9.572. That's fast. A physiologist came along, and he deduced that the fastest a man will ever run the 100 meters is 9.27, which is almost three-tenths of a second faster, which would be lightning speed for 100 meters. Now, if a man ever gets that fast, we don't know, but let's just say that he gets there or gets to nine. There is somewhere there's going to be a limit. Somewhere a man will never run faster than a certain speed. And that's just a fact. We all have limits. You have physical limits. You have financial limits. We have emotional limits. We have limits in our life. And once we pass the limits, we are in, in overload. And now that's where pain comes in. And when pain comes in, margin disappears. We lose our margin, which is a continuous area that is free available and unoccupied. And now we're living in pain. Now, and I know what some of you are thinking as Christians, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You are falsely interpreting that verse. And Christians do that to that verse all day long. Let me tell you what the verse means. Paul uses that verse in a specific context. And the context is, he, whether he has a lot in life, a lot of you know, sustenance, or a very little. He says, I'm content. I can do all things through Christ. That's the context. That's why he says in a few verses later, he says, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. In other words, trust God, trust God, trust God. I can, do, I can make it through in Christ. He's not saying, I can do, you can't do all things. Can you jump off a 10-story building and not break your legs? No, you can't do that, can you? Can you hold your breath underwater without a breathing apparatus for 10 hours? No, you can't do that, can you? There, you, you just cannot do all things through Christ. It doesn't work that way. So you have to use wisdom. Now, first thing, we have limits. The second thing today is this. Our relationships are starved to death by the speed of life. And I think that's the most satanic plan there is around. It's a satanic number uh, in our life. Now, when life starts to move at the speed of light, something's got to give, doesn't it? It's typically our relationships with the people we love. We have no time to listen. We have no time to spend time. We have no time to spend love. And you know, some of you in this room, that starts friction at home, doesn't it? Now starts the fighting. Now starts the where are you? Why do you have to keep doing this? Why do you have to keep doing that? And then starts to just get off my back. And all they're really saying is, do you care about us? Come on, you can relate to us. Let me show you something from the writer David uh, 3,000 years ago, what he says in Psalm 23. Watch this. This is a great verse for us this morning. Three verses. It's David speaking, he says. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now think about that. God is my shepherd, he's my guide, he's my lead, he's my protector, and I shall not want. In other words, I'm not going to let all my strong desires drive me, drive me, drive I shall not want. He's not telling you not to produce, he's not telling you not to be successful, because David was very successful, but he's saying, my Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I start there, but then watch this, what he says in verse 2. He, meaning God, he makes me, 
Not suggests, not, hey, could you? He makes me lie down in green pastures. That's springtime, and I'll prove it to you in a second. But the next line. He leads me besides quiet waters. In those days, those green pastures, they would have, you ever seen where there's a puddle of water somewhere? after the winter rains. It's just, there's no water coming in anymore. And little by little, the sun's going to dry till it's gone, right? That's what he's talking about, still water. It's, quite, it's just a puddle. He's laying there in the green hillsides next to the big puddle of water, and it's just peaceful right there. He makes me. Why is it that we long when you sit by a stream in the mountains or sit by the beach? What is it about that that just does something for us. You ever notice that? Let me tell you what I heard years ago. Somebody said it this way. It's because we have amnesia. We long for the Garden of Eden, but we don't remember. We long for God's original creation, and we don't remember. And so when we go do that, we, it's, all, it's almost like it's connecting us again. And maybe that's why I personally like the high Sierras. I, I don't know. But he leads me there. Now watch this. Here's what he does if I do that. Verse 3. He restores my soul, my mind, my will, and emotions. If God is my shepherd and I lie down in green pastures beside still waters, that's where God recreates the insides of me. That's where God restores me. That's where God brings me back to who I am in life because the culture out there is sucking the life out of me and it's pulling at me from every direction. Am I right? You know I'm right. I should say the scripture. Let me tell you, God is not pro-exhaustion. He's not. We have to protect our key relationships. Let me give you three in your notes. The first key relationship is your social one, and that is your relationship with others. You've got to protect those things. You have to protect it. Family, friends, your life group, everything. Some of us have no relationship. We don't do any of that stuff. The second one is emotional. That's your relationship with yourself. You need time to yourself to contemplate, to think. We're going to cover that in one of the messages. The third one is spiritual. It's your relationship to God. Have you ever noticed when you get so busy, so busy, so busy, it's our relationship to God that suffers first? We start pulling back. Well, I don't have time to go to church. I really don't have time to read a few scriptures. I really don't have time to sit contemplated before God. I don't have time for any of it because I got all these things. And we're sitting there, God said in the silence, have at it, buddy. Seek your own will and see if I'm going to add on to you. I'm not going to do that. You go break your life and then you'll finally come back and then we'll put it together correctly. I, I have found that's the way God worked. He worked that way in my life. Now, We've got to protect these things. Why? Because in your notes, let's read it all out together. When, flash that over if you would, please. Here it is. Here we go. When we reach our limits, our limits limit our key relationship. Could we say it once again? And everybody over here say it too. Here we go. When we reach our limits, our limits limit our key relationship. Isn't that true? When you pass the limit, now you're hurting those relationships. Now, number three, and that's this. Keep the amount of stress and change in our lives to an acceptable range of tolerance. You got to keep it in, in a level where you can handle it. And that's the stress and the change. Now, there's a problem inherent in that statement. I can't see that in myself. Because remember, Moses had to have somebody tell him, right? Because he couldn't see it. And I can't see it either. I need someone outside of me to tell me when I passed my threshold of limits. You know, it's weird, or it's a, it's a sad fact in America. It's a fact. 
four out of five Americans say they, they need to reduce stress in life, and the way they do it is, is they put stuff into their body for momentary stress reduction. Alcohol, smoke pot, pop pills, whatever it is. For the follower of Christ, we have Jesus. That should be our stress reducer in living the way he says. I'm just telling you straight, okay? Telling you straight. Because if nobody's ever told you straight, you've got to tell you straight here. What's crazy is you and I live in such a, a prosperity age and they, the age of enlightenment and here we are and we've got to keep sedating ourselves. Isn't that crazy? Because they have told us for decades, oh, it's just education is going to help. More education. More. It doesn't help. It doesn't help. We need to get back to what God is saying to us in His Word. And once we do that, then you're going to find, look, and if you say, well, I don't believe in God, it's okay. Just follow these principles, just call them principles, and watch what happens in your life. Just watch. It will so transform your life. Now, three stressors not on your notes as we talk about change. The first one is change. Have you ever, they say the greater, the, everybody experiences change, but the greater the change, they say the higher the risk of our health, the greater the changes. And some of us are always going through great changes. The next stressor is time pressure. Have you noticed this? Have you noticed that it used to be in our calendars? We, remember, the, the, remember the day count? Remember the day program? Remember those things? Now we have the phone, right? Um, remember when we were running our lives by days and weeks? We don't do that anymore. We run it by minutes. Have you looked and noticed by minute by minute how it's booked up? It's terrible. It's just terrible. Let me tell you something. I read this decades ago, and it stung me, and it made me think that those of us, and I'll use the word to-do list. I don't know if we do that anymore because we have our phones to put everything. When we make a to-do list of, say, I got to accomplish seven things today, and I get them done, what do you want to accomplish tomorrow? Eight things. I'm going to add one more. I'm going to add eight things. And I remember reading this about that. They said, we think that by accomplishing more in a day that we're beating time, but instead time is beating us. We're driving ourselves to the ground thinking, oh, I can get more done. I'm beating that hour. I'm beating these eight hours. I'm beating it. No, you're beating yourself. And then the third stressor is mobility. This is a big one, and we don't realize this is a big one, that we take advantage of our advantages and people move and this and that, and yeah, we get that. But when you make a move to a new place, you got to understand you're severing friendships, you're severing family ties. That's a stressor, my friends. That's a big stressor. We have to keep the amount of stress and change in our lives to acceptable range of tolerance. But let me tell you maybe the biggest, one of the bigger things we got to watch out for. We're not only the over-culture, over-extended, over-done, over-stressed, over-this. We are the one-more culture. Oh, one more commitment won't hurt me. One more expectation. One more debt, not going to hurt. One more change, one more decision, one more this, one more that. You know that we have to deal with more things now than our ancestors ever, ever dreamed of. And now we're overloaded. And we become human doings, not human beings and we're hunting for margin, and we don't know where to find it. It's going to take some tough decisions. Let me put it this way. <clears throat> think of your life like this. And drop your pens. You're going to fill in. I don't think you're going to fill in anything else. 
Think of your life like the transmission on a car. Starts in park, right? That's rest and relaxation. That's your day that you just do whatever you want that's fun, not work, not this. It's a recreation, recreating of self. God allow, is allowed to recreate you. You're in park. It's good stuff. Then, of course, you, you shift up in that transmission. It's low. You shift into low. Now, what is low? Well, low is all your family, personal relationships. You need to talk. You need to spend time with them. You're in low right now. And some of us in low, our mind is wandering everywhere else to what we have to do while they're trying to communicate with us. Am I right? And even though this is a great thing for planning, it is also a cursed thing. Because you know, you see it everywhere. Family sitting there. I would just challenge you, when you go out to eat, sit down, just put it in your pocket, turn it off. You FOMO people. You're not missing out on anything. They won't still be there. Because these people matter. You're in low gear. And then you have drive. Well, drive is work. Or if you play athletics, you go play sports. That's drive. You're pushing yourself. Now, let me tell you the danger inherent in drive. That's where you're producing. It feels good to produce, doesn't it? I like producing. But the danger is I'll stay in that production mode because it feels really good. And then it gets a little worse. Then you have overdrive. You know what overdrive is, huh? I have deadlines. The next five, seven days, I got to work 12 hours. I got to do it. Or else, you know what overdrive is? You're sick, blood's coming out of your ears, but you'll take Theraflu, I'm going to work. <laughs> You're in overdrive now. And the problem is, that may happen for a while, but you can't stay in overdrive. You can't stay there. See, my wife's car has this little, this little kind of thing on her transmission that if you're climbing, if you just push that thing in, bzz, gives you a burst of power. See, but you can't, you can't keep your finger on that, okay? But we do that in our lives. We push it and we keep that thing down, overdrive, 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 till we overdrive ourselves to the ground. So the challenge in this series is that we're going to begin to analyze our life. We're going to see, okay, and let me be honest, can I talk to you about Christians and humanity? I, I've only seen Christians, I've seen this maybe five, six, eight times in my life. Over the years, this is what Christians do. They're just not honest with themselves, in my opinion. They'll say, I, I got to drop out of ministry. I can't do this anymore because I just got to cut back on my life. And then they turn around, they cut back from serving, and they go add three more things in their life. And that's a fact. You say, oh, no, no, it is a fact. Nobody's going to slow down. They don't even think about it. So the challenge is to find that margin so you don't go crazy so you don't destroy your family so your kids don't hate you when, you're, when, you, when they're older so you become a, a, a human being again we're going to put the bee back in the bean does it make sense? okay, that's the, that's the foundational the next three, we're going to get specific so, so I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, bow your head, let's pray